Hi and welcome everyone to the 86th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Erlansson and today's podcast will be about Power Apps Portal. And with me today I have Nick Dolman. Nick Dolman is a Microsoft Business Applications MVP, Microsoft Certified Trainer and Dynamics Communities All-Star Award winner. Nick has been engaged as a subject matter expert in over 100 Microsoft Dynamics CRM365 and Power Platform projects covering a wide range of industries and sectors. Nick is currently an independent trainer, consultant, speaker, podcaster and blogger. Nick is also a national qualified competitive powerlifter and has competed at and has competed at the 2018 and 2019 Canadian National Powerlifting Championships. Welcome Nick Dolman. Hi Marcus, how are you today? I'm just fine, thank you. So you're a powerlifter. How did you get into that? <laughs> that's a that's a funny story. So I'm I'll I'll tell my age. So I'm 47 years old now. When I turned 40, um, I felt that I'd been working at a desk for 20 years. I grew up on a farm, so I was always in pretty good shape when I was like a teenager in my early 20s. And then when I went out and started working on computers and technology, which is, you know, I absolutely love, but I found that I was getting out of shape. So I went and joined a local gym to kind of get back into shape. And then I realized very quickly, I don't like things like running, um, being on a treadmill, a lot of cardio work. But I do love lifting weights and really got into that, worked with a personal trainer. And one day, one of the other personal trainers came walking by and I was doing some deadlifts and he goes, well, that's, that's quite a bit of weight. And I said, thanks. And he said, well, we're having a fun powerlifting meet. Do you want to, you want to sign up? So I signed up and absolutely fell in love with it. And, you know, at that time, you know, probably wasn't lifting all that much compared to some of the others, but I kept at it, uh, went into a lot of training, signed up for a lot of competitions and. Uh, finally got to the point where I was able to qualify for the national championships. And that was, uh, that was a fun day. I, I kind of had a couple large, uh, personal bests, uh, my bench press and my deadlift, and that got me over the hump and was able to compete, um, for two years now. Um, this year I'm not going to nationals, but, uh, just due to some other logistics, but hopefully back again next year, I'm hoping for a few more personal records anyway. And it's, it's one of these sports. It's great. There's people from from teenagers all the way people up into their 60s and 70s and everybody in between. It's very inclusive, both men and women. Um, in terms of competitors, it's 50-50. In terms of male females, and it's it's got a great community, very much like the Power Platform community. Um, and it's, I absolutely, absolutely love it. I love picking up heavy things and putting them down again. As an independent, what is it that you do? So what I've been doing for the last year and a half, before that I worked for a very large partner, Implementing, of course, Dynamics CRM, Dynamics 365. And in that role, I was manager of uh, software development around CRM. Uh, as an independent, I probably dedicate about 25 to 30% of my time now to training. So delivering classes around the Power Platform, around Dynamics 365, and of course, also on Dynamics uh, Power, Power Apps portals. And then the, other, the rest of the time, I do have a, a small group of clients that I implement Dynamics 365 or Power Platform projects have been building a lot of power apps specifically for like member management and association systems, some certification management, and those those types of activities around not-for-profits. And these clients are great to work with. They're it's kind of smaller scale projects, but it's you have a lot of impact. So 
that's my, my day to day. I'm usually working, um, whether it's configuring power apps or on top of Dynamics 365 or creating some training material or delivering training either in person or online or creating some other content. So that, that effectively is what, what my day to day is like. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? <laughs> is this a, as a as a positive experience or a negative experience? <laughs> well, it's last memorable customer experience, so <laughs> that's how you interpret it. Yeah, so I would I would say, um, yeah, I can think of a, a perfect example. So with my with me being an independent trainer, I do travel quite a bit internationally to deliver training courses to, you know, various Microsoft partners and other people with, uh, with that, it's always important to have travel insurance. So just in case something happens, you need to go to a hospital. Now, thankfully that has not happened, but you always need travel insurance. So last year I went online and I, I bought a travel insurance package that would last me for the whole year. Now, when I got my renewal, I got my renewal in the mail. And they wanted me to fill out a paper form to do the renewal. And they wanted actually me to fill out this form and send a check to get the renewal. And I'm kind of like, I'm, I think it's important that, you know, for me, I wanted to first off shop around a little bit, but also I was, I'm a procrastinator. So I was actually traveling in two or three days. So I wanted to make sure that I had, I was fully covered. So I went to look for, to see if I could actually renew online and I was not able to. And I found that very surprising in this day and age that, you know, we're maybe we're a little bit spoiled, but to me, to provide good customer service, there should be multiple channels and whether you're comfortable you know, going by mail or calling in, but I also think online because especially for something like this, I should have been able to renew online 24 hours a day, seven days a week and just go in with my credit card and pay it. So to me, that was a little disappointing. And what I ended up doing, I went with a competitor and got a travel insurance package from them that had a very good online presence that I can actually log in, see my policy, see all sorts of information. So I think customer service is important from a person-to-person perspective, but I also think customer service, providing the tools for your customer to make it very easy for them to transact with you, to get information and all these types of tools. So this is the type of thing where I think the Power Platform comes into play um, with the different channels of customer service that we can provide. Working with portals, how often do you refresh the cache? <laughs> that's interesting. So anybody that's worked with portals all the way back to ADX Studio portals will have always had that little refresh the cache or clear the cache button on their shortcuts. Now this has evolved to the Power Apps portals. There's the admin page, which if I'm working on a portals project, I'll have that page open, uh, maybe slid off to the, another monitor. And I'd probably hit that clear cache button or refresh cache button uh, probably at least once every 15, 20 minutes, depending on what I'm working on. What is a power portal? So when we talk about, and I've I heard different names and uh, naming and things like that, I hear still hear Dynamics 365 portals or, you know, the ADX portals and those types of things. The official name now, uh, as of, I would say probably last October, is Power Apps Portals. So portals have become effectively the third power app. The first power app being Canvas apps, the second power app being model-driven apps, and power apps portals have been that third pillar, that third power app type. So, and what it is, it is the ability to take a, a common data service environment, which of course may or may not have Dynamics 365, and provide um, access to that data, whether it's viewing it or transacting with it 
to external stakeholders. So anybody outside of your company that needs access to the CDS data database. So this goes beyond now use, you, you could use power apps portals for your own internal staff, but typically, you know, if it's internal staff, we would build either a canvas app or a model driven app power apps portals provides that ability for our customers again, to transact with the company, whether it's updating information, reading information. So again, from a customer service perspective, and like I alluded my customer service experience, it provides yet another channel that we can work with our customers or our customers, customers, giving them, you know, whether it's self-service capabilities or other ways to interact with the organization. So the main difference from Dynamics portals is that it hasn't got the dependencies on Dynamics finished apps or the first party apps per se. That's correct. And that's, was a great new feature they added last year was the ability to spin up a portal that could connect to what we would call a, a vanilla CDS instance. And while there are still power apps, portals, templates for Dynamics 365 apps, such as the customer service portal or the partner portal, if we were going to build a portal for an organization that really didn't use sales or service. So a lot of the customers that I work with that are like not-for-profits, we can use a portal on a you know vanilla, vanilla CDS app. And that's one of the big differences that the evolution of portals have come from, from Dynamics uh, 365 portals. Now you have to remember at the end of the day, um, Dynamics 365 portals are power apps portals. It's just the evolution. And of course, going even back further than that, that came from ADX Studio that had that portal project, a uh, portal product, which was an ISV um, solution up until 2015 when Microsoft bought the portals from ADX Studio. And it's evolved now to evolve first to Dynamics 365 online portals and now they're power apps portals. So going forward, we deal 100% with power apps portals. Beside this requirement change from a license point of view, would you say that the new designer is the second most important change that has come recently? It definitely, the, the, so the new designer, which came out last year was the ability for, you know, makers or, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the word citizen developer, but those type of folks that are putting power apps together that may not be professional developers, they, you know, using the new designer allows you, gives you that what you see is what you get. Uh, designing interface so we can add portal pages, we can add content, we can now drag components that will link directly back to our CDS or our D5 database, which really helps the whole evolution and building of your portals. Before that, there was some front side editing tools and they're still there, they still exist, but they were a little bit dated. You could create a lot of the static content, but once you wanted to wire it into Dynamics 365 or these days CDS, you still had to go to a model-driven app and configure these components there and update some of the other information directly. And that would um, that's where you had to build the portal. So it was very tedious. You had a lot of jumping around. What's nice about the designer is in they're continually adding new improvements, more and more, you don't have to leave that designer experience to build a portal. It's not quite yet perfect. There's still a little glitches and a few little oddities with it. However, it is way better than it was six months ago. And I would suspect that if we were to have a conversation six months from now, it's going to be so much better again. And they keep adding new features to the designer as well. So if, if you look through the Power Platform release notes, they're going, they're in the process of adding the ability to add Power BI reports 
as components directly into the designer. So we just have to drag and drop the component, drop it in a Power BI component onto our web page, add a few configuration details, and then away you go where currently we have to actually go and modify, add some code to the web templates directly for that to happen. So yeah, that designer is, it's a work in progress, but already it's making portal projects so much easier to build and conceptualize. So they're lowering the bar to get started, right? So they're adding these static pages and as well these entity list with list of this and that, like open cases or opportunities and absolutely so before if you wanted to use portals well first off if you were using you had to be you know, had the right level of license to even get access to it so what you would first have dynamics 365 with at least 10 full users and then you would have one included portal with that which made it hard from an alm perspective and then even you could spin up a trial and you could try it out but to configure a portal you had to go in the admin center and go through a whole series of steps to get it configured and it was pretty tedious and a little bit intimidating for anybody that's more of a, you know, kind of a maker type of mentality. So now it's a lot easier. You go into make.powerapps.com and it, there's right, there's a big button right there, create portal. And you just have to click on the button, give your portal a name and 15, 20 minutes later, depending on how the cloud is operating, you actually have a fully working portal and then even with that fully working portal, it's mostly just static content. You can go into the designer and you can drag uh, an entity list, which or an entity form, which are uh, pre-built components, or effectively they're components that will link your portal to your CDS data. So, exactly, I could go into create a page, drag on the entity list, and say bring up my cases, so I can choose incidents as my entity, and I want to choose one of my views, so like active cases. And then boom, away I go. I have my list of cases on a web page. Now, of course, there with great power comes great responsibility. You want to be careful because this is a web page that's exposed to the entire world. You want to have a good handle on how the security and the authentication mechanism works because obviously if you don't want all your customers' cases to be exposed publicly to the whole world, yes, for sure, you want to give your customer the ability to see those cases, but not everybody else. So you want to make sure you also get your authentication and security configured. And even that's becoming easier and easier for each uh, iteration of the portals. And again, on the release notes uh, for the Power Platform release notes for portals, they're going to make that security and entity permission process a lot simpler as well. So yeah, for someone to get started into portals, it's every, I'd say every month, it's becoming easier for someone to get things up and running. Are they adding support to PCF controls or components to portals as well? That's definitely on, I would say that's definitely coming. So what we have also seen in this release notes is the support for a, a type of web API. So through probably JavaScript, we'll be able to do create, read, update, delete functions directly on CDS data through portal pages. So today without this, the only way to get data back into a CDS is through an entity form submission or another another specialized component called web form submission, um, which is a little bit kind of a, a full, a much higher kind of level approach. So yes, I could fill in a form where I can update a case and submit that form now, but there might be little things we'd want to do, like maybe calculate taxes or calculate shipping on something, just flag a particular entity as a favorite. And these things are a little bit harder to do through the normal methods. So we'd have to create something like a companion app in Azure and 
you know, create some fancy web, you know, web controls and authentication and tokens to make that all work. Where with this new feature with the web API and JavaScript, this is meant to make it a lot easier. Now, what this does, this paves the way for PCF controls because PCF controls are, you know, they're built on TypeScript using things like React. Now the the drawback before that they couldn't they can't work on portals today is because we don't really have that mechanism to write back to CDS directly through some API method. So PCF is definitely on the horizon. And I think that's just going to open the door for a lot of really cool portal functionality and really open it up to the community to be able to build and share controls. So I'm really excited to see what all the folks out there are going to come up with and how we can share the controls with each other. And is it the same with Canvas apps that you can expose Canvas apps through a portal as well? That's an interesting question. So from a technology perspective, yes, we can expose Canvas apps um, on a portal. Um, and I've, I've actually done that. I've created a page where I've had an embedded Canvas app. Now where our, where our gateway is or our, our block is licensing. So with licensing and how the portal's designed, Power Apps portals, we can actually have a anonymous users. So we can expose a portal to that people can go to a web page and view data from our CDS. If we wanted to give them access to a Canvas app, there is no ability for an anonymous Canvas app. If we want someone external to our organization to use a Canvas app, we have to create them as a guest user and we have to assign them a license. So that that's sort of our that's sort of our drawback right there. Although technically, yes, we can embed a Canvas app on a portal page that user that's consuming that Canvas app actually needs to be authenticated. And not only do they have to be authenticated, they have to be licensed. So if they go to that page and they're just an anonymous user, they'll get a message that they don't have access to Canvas app. Have you used portals in business to business and business to consumer scenarios? And are there any differences? Yes, I've done portals for both business to consumer and business to business. Effectively, there's really no difference. Um, the person, you're still a person logging in. So anybody logging in is actually linked to a contact record. So we're used to contact records in Dynamics CRM or Dynamics 365 customer. So if that contact, they could be someone off the street, just signing up for a course or looking at a looking at some particular items that you might be providing through your portal or they could be linked to an account, meaning they're maybe they're signing up for an event, but they're signing up as an employee of one of the customers, or they're logging a case either for themselves or they're logging a case for their cost for their for their particular employer and they're linked and they can actually see cases from their colleagues on the portal. So yeah, I've done portals for both the you know, business consumer and directly to you know, business to business, but effectively at the end of the day, there's still a person that actually needs to log in the portal and interact with the data. And it's pretty much the exact same way, but it's really, are they linked to an account or not? Have you used connectors like Facebook where you can sign in with that and get your data from there? Or have you always used this process where you send the password, you email them and then they sign in and change the password and then they're in? It's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation right there because um, Power Apps portals out of the box has what we call that form space authentication that just works immediately. You don't have to do any ex extra configuration. Absolutely correct. You can send your contact an invite or someone from the outside world if they want to 
have access to your portal, they can actually fill out a registration form and it creates the contact. And, you know, again, you'd have to give them a little bit of access on the back end. That's it's easy and it works. However, the recommended or the recommended method from Microsoft is to use a third-party authentication such as Azure B2C. The problem is setting up Azure B2C, it's not hard, but it's very tedious. There's a lot of steps. And if you get those steps out of order, um, it's kind of confusing to where you went wrong and you have to backtrack a little. However, that is sort of the recommended approach because it's more secure. And even with the forms authentication, the password is being encrypted, but you're still storing that password in a sense in your CDS database, which really you should instead be storing like a token or a pointer back to an authentication provider. To, to answer your question, yes, it's easy to get someone signed into your portal. However, if you're going to do a production level project or something, definitely look into a third-party authentication, like whether it's a link to Facebook or LinkedIn or Azure B2C, that's really the, the I would say the, the best practice way to go. How do I get started with portals then? Do I sign up with my organization or do I sign up with my environments or how does that work? Great question, Marcus. So what you can do if you already have a, a Power Apps environment set up, if you're just starting to play with it, I would highly recommend you set up a dedicated sandbox environment in your Power Platform because you don't want to affect any of your production data or that kind. So very easy create a new environment. And then once your new environment's created, provision a portal, like I mentioned, the steps are easy. And there's plenty of information. Microsoft Learn, Microsoft Learn has some pretty good tracks. Now, currently they're still aligned to the old Dynamics 365 portals, but a lot of that information is still relevant. Um, I'm actually working with another, another person in the community. You guys probably know George Dubinsky. We're working on with Microsoft to update that content. So it's gonna be aligned to Power Apps portals. That's a great way to kind of get started. There's a lot of uh, YouTube videos, um, some other uh, content. I'm actually, I am teaching, I do teach a Power Apps portals course at various points in the world. I am working on an online course. I'm not quite ready yet. So there's a lot of material out there more so than there was even a couple of years ago from a lot of people, but really, if you've provisioned your trial or your, your sandbox environment, you provisioned your portal, just dig into the designer, start playing around, follow some tutorials, you know, break things. Um, and that's the fun part and try to think of some apps and stuff you can build and you can build some pretty cool portals pretty quickly um, and learn from a lot of other people. And then from there, um, you can begin to go a little bit deeper and begin to design things. And when you're ready, you can uh, apply that to your production CDS, your dynamics, and going through a prescribed, obviously a dev test prod and process, but that's really the, the way to start and the barrier to entry keeps getting lower and lower. And then there are some templates for get going. So I can have something to start with easier, like customer support portals or other portals. And are these templates any good? That's very interesting. There are a series of templates. Now, if you're spinning up a portal on a vanilla CDS environment, you really only have one portal and that's the starter portal. And that gives you the basics, like the ability to have pages, uh, menuing system, you can still do entity forms and lists and pretty much everything in the portal. If you're building your portals on a Dynamics 365 environment, meaning it has those first party apps, that gives you the choice of a community portal, a customer service portal, a partner portal, employee self-service portal. These are very similar. They kind of follow the same uh, methods, but what they provide is, for instance, case management. There's links to the 
customer service knowledge base articles um, and other, they have other built-in features such as, you know, blogs and forums. They may not be as the same way as doing like a, a WordPress blog or a Blogspot blog, but still that functionality. Is, so there are some interesting things with the templates and those templates are not limited to just those particular portal types. If there's something, for instance, in the customer service portal, like case management, but you want to apply that to um, a partner portal, you could actually take some of those templates and some of that configuration and apply it to your own, whether it's a partner portal or your own custom portal. So a lot of times I'll spin up those portal templates and take a look at the examples in the web templates and get some ideas and hmm, what was Microsoft thinking? They put together the knowledge article search. What can I use in my own portal from that? So the templates are definitely great examples, but they're also great starting points. And they're also a good uh, repository of how to do specific things in Power Apps portals. Are there any other scenarios where you've used portals besides these templates? Yes. So. A, a great example, I, a few years b back, we worked on a, a situation where we did a, a like classroom registration. So registering for classes and courses, I am working with a client now where they have folks that are doing a certification process in the portal where they actually go in, they fill in particular uh, details around specific skills tasks. They also have workplace assessors that will also have an access to the portal where they can review, they can rank particular workers on particular skills and how well they're, you know, whether they're a master or still learning or whether they're competent. And then that information, of course, gets stored in CDS. And then once they actually achieve a particular set of skills at a certain level, then they actually can get certified in a particular, um, what they call a, a job task or something like that. So. It's, it's a very unique kind of uh, use of the portal. We also have a portal set up where there's trainers, where they have a classroom where they'll actually, their trainers out in the field, but they'll update things like uh, quiz scores, um, assessments uh, for their students, uh, where the, you know, attendance, that information. And again, that gets stored in the CDS database where it can all be compiled into regular reports. So those are just a couple examples of, of of you know using power apps portals in the real world so there's a new event portal in dynamics marketing do you know if that's the same portal or that's a different portals that's an interesting question that's actually a different type of technology that microsoft for some reason decided to go with so the marketing portal itself where it basically provides a angular.js portal. So angular is a JavaScript framework and their approach was, well, you may or may not be using power apps portals for your portal technology in a particular organization. So they wanted to leave their options open. So what they've designed is this angular.js portal that it is, you do need a developer skills to, to configure it or some angular experience. And then from that, you could drop it in, you could drop that particular angular.js scripts into a power apps portals web template so you could use power apps portals or if you're using another product uh, another cms like sitecore or wordpress or sitefinity or adobe or some of these other cms systems you again could still take this angular portal or web technology and drop it into those particular content management systems and be able to run your events and that kind of thing so it is a different uh track that they decided to take from regular power apps portals but it still could be linked there's still a bit of a relationship there if you wanted it you said that you made some event registration portal in the power apps portals 
and that's what they built in marketing event portals now but they're not really the same and it's a mixer yeah it's a, it's an interesting uh thing and i'm i can't I can't comment or I don't really know what the story was behind the scenes on that. So some of the event registration things that I've done, um, again, because the power platform is the ability to build applications that suit a particular business, I had a lot of flexibility where I'm sure there's a lot of flexibility in the marketing portal. So the marketing portal is really an extension of Dynamics 365 marketing and its event registration has things like full conferences, speaker tracks, resources, those types of things. I've not done a lot of work with that. I've just had seen some demos and read some documentation. Um, so I think it was really a case of the marketing team that's building that first party app probably wanted us the features that were not available in the regular Power Apps portal. So they opted to go their own way. Um, and whether, <laughs> again, Microsoft's a large company and whether it was the right decision or not, I can't really, I can't really say, but it, yeah, it definitely, it, it does kind of raise an eyebrow. It's like, hmm, why did you guys go this way? We're building it completely on Power Apps portals. And maybe there were some features that just weren't available in Power Apps portals at the time that the marketing, I would suspect that in a few years, the, the regular Power Apps portal should be a comp be able to accommodate that, but sometimes people can't wait to get in paper. We will have to see if it's like the CDS first version or if it can live for a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Are there any solutions where I shouldn't use portals at all? Yeah, that's a great question. And I had this earlier this week, I was speaking with a customer. And they had a situation where they're using Dynamics 365 as their backend, but they we're looking at some of the, the web technologies and they had a situation where they could potentially have um, within a span of four hours, millions of transactions. I think it was like a donation management situation. That's a situation where I don't think the, the CDS can keep up to that level of volume. Now, what this particular organization did instead is they built out um, a dedicated uh, web application on Azure. And they actually built in some mechanisms that would queue a lot of this information. Now it would get into CDS eventually, but this is something that the Power Apps portals just wouldn't be able to accommodate that level of um, activity. But through Azure, they were able to do it. So again, this is the no cliff story, right? So if you're running into situations, you know, your Power Apps can't achieve something, you can always go that extra step and build some Azure functions or some Azure web apps and take advantage of that platform to extend uh, your Power Platform. Another example where I would avoid using portals is like an online store. So if you wanted to start selling CRM rocks, t-shirts and hoodies, and you of course got your millions of subscribers that want to buy that information, I would probably take a look at something like a Shopify or WooCommerce and go that route first, because they have a lot of that functionality for e-commerce, like shopping carts, um, checkouts, discounts, taxes, and Power Apps Portals doesn't have that. One time ADX Studio did have an e-commerce platform, but um, that's that was based on a lot of lot older technology. So if I was to look at building a, an e-commerce platform, I would go with probably a third party, and then I would use something like uh, you know, custom connectors or Microsoft or Power Automate or Logic Apps and integrate it into my Dynamics uh, or Power Platform app that way. And there are other scenarios as well, right? Where you just have a form and you just want to send in data, you don't want to follow up on it, you don't want to update it later on. So that's perhaps better suited for Forms Pro then. 
Absolutely. So Forms Pro, you know, is is great for for anyone who's setting up a a new survey or even quizzes and things like that. So it's something that you can set up a set up a Forms Pro form very quickly. And of course, we all know Megan Walker is uh, she blogs and does a lot of videos on Forms Pro. So if you want to get started on Forms Pro, that's somebody to to talk to about that. And definitely, it's something that you know, people have asked about using the portal and I've said, you know, you, you really should be using Forms Pro instead because that's better suited for what that particular scenario is. Um, and that goes, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the right tool for the right job. And definitely Forms Pro is, is one of those tools that can accommodate a lot of scenarios where people might first consider portals. And then it could happen the other way as well. There might be people looking at Forms Pro where really portals is a better solution for them. So if I want to get going, what does it cost me? <laughs> that's the interesting, that's the million dollar question right there. Hopefully not so, a million dollars, right? <laughs> <laughs> depends on your usage. So they've revamped the licensing, which is depending on how you look at it, depending on your volume, um, a couple uh, good things. First, the, let's look at the good side of it. Originally with Dynamics 365 portals, as I mentioned earlier, you required 10 full use and then you would get one portal included. But then if you wanted to have a sandbox environment or a test environment, you would have to pay $500 US per month for each additional portal. And that can get pretty expensive if you think about it. If you wanted a development in a sandbox environment at $1,000 per month on top of your user licenses already, that, that, that stands out as a pretty big line item. So moving forward with the Power Platform, First off, we can now spin up multiple environments on our power platform, depending on our capacity. So if we have, you know, 10 gigabytes of capacity, we could probably spin up like eight or nine different environments for each of those environments. Technically, we could spin up a portal as well. So we could have a full dev test, you know, staging environment and have a portal for each one. And that in itself would not cost us anything at all because those are just sandbox environments we're developing. So from an ALM perspective, that story has gotten a lot better based on their new licensing. So their licensing now is broken up. Now let's sort of get into the, I'd say, well, the controversial part. So if you have internal users like staff, so if you're going to set up like an HR portal where people can request sick days or, you know, request new equipment from their IT department or something like that, those users will need a at least a power apps per user license to get in to use those portals. So that might not be a problem for most companies because they might be setting up power apps for other purposes. So it could all could tie in. The next thing is anonymous users. When I mean anonymous, the average person off the street that wants to go to your portal, look up information, maybe they want to see a listing of upcoming events, or maybe they want to go and see when the next episode of CRM rocks is going to come out and, you know, a lot of information. So they could go to a portal and that's considered an unauthenticated, uh, view. And for $100 US per month, you're allocated 100,000 page views. So depending on what your volume is on your portal, you know, that you could sort of work with that. And of course you can buy additional, if you have more than a hundred thousand, then you can start buying additional a hundred thousand page view packs along with that. Currently there's no way to view the, the usage of that, but that we've been assured that is coming soon. So you'd be able to go into power platform and mid center and actually see how many page views are being consumed. So you can kind of plan your license. So finally we get to the authenticated users and this is where 
it potentially could get a little expensive depending on how many people you have logging in your portal. So this is where you would have customers that need to log in and open a ticket or members that need to log in and see when their next renewal is and those types of things. So they're actually named users that would log in. Of course, they all relate to contact record back in your CDS system. This is sold on a per login basis. So you get for $200 US, you get 100 logins. Now these logins, I like to say they're like uh, tickets to Disney World. You can get a ticket, it lasts you a full 24 hours, and you can log in and log out of the portal for that full 24 hours, and it will only you know, use one ticket. But if you want to come back the next day, you're going to need another login. So if you have a member system where you have a member that needs to log into the Power Apps portal every day, that's like over the month, let's say that's 30 logins, that will cost you, you know, that will use out of your 100 login allocation, that's going to use 30 of those for that one use. So at two, when you do the math, that's $2 a piece. So really that's $2 per day for that person to log in, which doesn't, $2 doesn't sound like much, but once you start adding it up, and if you're like running a membership system where you have 10,000 members and everybody logs in at least once a month, that's potentially $20,000 now per month, which <laughs> begins to scare people off. Now, the good thing is it, it you can buy in volume and that reduces. So you can get it down to under a dollar per login. And there's other not-for-profit pricing as well. Now, I still find even if you're a not-for-profit pricing and you feel a lot of people logging in, the price the price does look a little bit scary. I hopefully when they have the telemetry um, a portal up where you can see how many logins are, you probably realize that not as many people are logging as thought. Uh, but I am hoping that Microsoft does re, you know revisits that licensing and makes it a little bit better aligned to uh, for for specifically for authenticated users. And I think if they go to a more consumption model. Um, which I'm hoping, and I really don't know if they go this way or not, that they can make portals a little bit more reasonable. Um, obviously, Microsoft needs to make money and it's using Azure resources, but I find that the system that they decided to go in place, there's some definitely room for improvement. And it means that there are a couple of scenarios where they're just priced wrongly for the kind of value that they bring because there's such a number of people logging in or such a number of logins in total that you just don't have the price compared to the business value that you bring. Correct. Yeah. And I, and like I said, that's why I really hope that they'll, once they kind of get rolling into the new year and stuff, they'll revisit that pricing and to make it a little, uh, to make it better aligned to the actual usage. And so like, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, portals from a technology perspective could be an absolutely great fit for a lot of organizations, but the licensing, even when it just, it's out of alignment compared to the rest of their licensing for the power platform. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're an accountant and you're looking at the line items for your monthly power platform or your Office 365 bill, you'll see, okay, so many users, so many power apps licenses, whoa, the portal, the portal logins, this, that's a number that really stands out compared to everything else. We talked some about these environments that you have. So you have a destinative and production. And when it comes to Power Apps portals, most of your developments are considered data in this scenario. So how do you work with moving data from dev to test, let's say? 
Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question because of course if we're building regular power apps port or regular power apps, whether they're canvas or model driven, you typically put those assets in a solution, right? And we export that solution, uh, whether we do that manually or what I do, I have PowerShell scripts or we're using Azure DevOps and we build a whole pipeline. Portals, of course, use metadata. What how the portal is defined is actual data records in our CDS. So you can actually log into the model-driven app and you can see web page records, entity form records, content snippet records, and it's all records within CDS. And as I'm sure you know, Marcus, to move data um, from one environment to another, there's a lot of different tools. We can you know, export to Excel, or we could use something like Kingsway Soft, you know, a lot of different things. Now for portals, it's a little trickier because there's Oh, dozens and dozens of entities that describe our portal. So we have web pages that are linked to entity lists that are linked to web roles that are linked to entity permissions. And all of these have to kind of line up. So when you're importing and exporting data that has a lot of relationships, um, even if you're setting up a job using like Kingsway Soft or some of the other tools, you have to know how those relationships work. So what Microsoft has done is they're, they've always talked about using configuration data migration tool for portals, which is really designed for configuration data. And they provided some templates. My struggle using that tool was a couple things. First off, it's kind of an all or nothing process. You have to bring over your entire portal. Well, what if I just added, you know, two or three new web pages and one or two snippets? I don't want to bring over my entire portal again. And also maybe there's some content that I have that I call it in the homepage, I'm calling it dev portal. And in my production, I have to go remember to go and clean that kind of. So a tool that I've been using for my projects is the in the XRM toolbox, there is the portal records mover. Uh, that's actually a tool, as we all know, um, uh, Tangi, um, who has built the XRM toolbox, this is one of his tools. He actually built the portal records mover as well. So you can't get any closer uh, than that to a tool. And it works. I find it works really well. You can pick your particular records you want to move over. So I just want to move over these two web pages, this one entity form, and these three content snippets. And that could be the only information I move over. Basically, I choose my my source. It dumps it out as an XML file. And then I can pick my destination and just import those XML changes. And what it also does, it actually, because there's certain records that will trigger plugins, it will actually deactivate those plugins as we're importing the data. So it does a few of those things that if you're not careful and you forget to do, you can kind of mess up your data a little. So that's great for the, the smaller projects. Um, for the larger kind of enterprise projects, there's a, a colleague or uh, another person in the community, uh, that I've talked to when I met when I traveled to New Zealand this past year, uh, Eugene Van Staden, who is now actually in the process of releasing him and some other of his colleagues there releasing a series of uh, blog posts and where they describe their ALM process, which is very kind of PowerShell based, and they've built they've done a lot of great work um, on building tools that will move portal data from a dev to test to production environment. And they're working on some pretty amazing portals and some of their front end stuff is pretty, pretty neat to see. So again, this goes to the, you know, if Microsoft doesn't do something, the community sometimes very often steps up with their own set of tools. And also this community, as you know, Marcus is great for sharing that information. So uh, definitely that'd be something to check out if you're in a large portal project and you need to figure out your ALM around that. Have you seen that you have considered this as code then and you check it into version control? 
Yes. So that's something that I do is when I export my portal metadata using the portal records mover tool, I'll actually put it in uh, my folders where I'm checking my source control in along with my solutions and my reports and other things like that. So at least I have that somewhere safe so I can sleep at night if I ever need to back backtrack on something. Yeah. And sometimes things happen, right? And dev is usually not backed up and then when you change something or delete something and then you're like, well, that's gone. And that was two days work of development time just down the drain. Absolutely. Source source control should be your your source of truth for your solutions and your 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 configuration data as well. Have you had any other tips and tricks for your daily work that you usually do? Um, I think for portals especially is planned plan it out a, a little bit. So I use a tool called Balsamic, and I know that's a paid tool, but you don't have to use this, whether it's a whiteboard or on paper or something, but plan out your portal, kind of plan out your site map, where your page is, how it's going to flow. And if you do that work up front, a couple things happen. It's easier to have that discussion with a client when you're describing how the portal is going to work and how it's going to flow so they can visualize it. And then also from your planning perspective, it helps you make sure you're not missing any pieces and make sure your portal uh, works really well. So again, it's you know, I think as developers and makers, we're always very keen to just get into the tool and start building stuff. But for portals, I, th- I think it's important that a little pre-planning goes an, an awfully long way. And the other thing too, is I don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, there's, there's the community forums um, on Microsoft site. There's the UG forums. There's, you know, also throw something up on Twitter. There's a lot of folks in the community that uh, definitely want to help you know, help each other out. And if you're stuck in something, there's no silly questions sometimes. And um, that definitely there's, there's help out there to get you through a sort of a tricky spot, whether it's portals or power apps or anything. And I like Balsamic really much because this has this black and white handmade sketch kind of feel to it. So the users who see it for the first time don't really get stuck on, oh, it's the different color, the, it's the wrong size on the buttons. So they can focus more on the process. How should it flow rather than, oh, it's, it's the wrong color. It's the wrong size. It's wrong. This and that and focus on the important stuff first. Yes. They get the, the customers, they get the vision of what it will look like, but yet they're not, I hate to use the word fooled, but they're not given the wrong impression that this is the final version. Even yes, you're right. It looks very much like a, a whiteboard picture than an actual screenshot. Where do I go if I want to know more? So if it's around Power Apps portals, definitely check out, I would say Docs. Microsoft Docs has done a great job. Go to the MS Learn uh, section that I talked about before and definitely keep your eye open for updates there. Check out my blog as well. I blog pretty heavily on portals. Now I blog on other things as well, and that's at readyxrm.blog. A couple of other colleagues in the community, um, Nick Hayduke, who he he lives and breathes portals as well. And his uh, his Twitter handle is, uh, I think, at uh, Engineered Code, and he has a, a blog and he does videos as well. Colin Bermander is another one who uh, I, I do... Well, the three of us, me, Nick, and Colin, we, we do the Refresh the Cash Portal podcast as well. Uh, but Colin's blog is is great for a lot of things portal related too. So it, it's kind of funny that it's three Canadians that have focused a lot on portals, but there's uh, plenty of resources out there. And those are definitely places to start to take a look. 
do you have any public speaking where you going to be next? So to yeah, coming up and maybe by the time this episode is out it's passed, but there is the Global Platform Bootcamp which is a worldwide community event happening on February 15th and I'm in my home city of Ottawa, Canada where I'll be I have a couple sessions, one on portals and I think I'll be doing another session AI builder. And, but there are sessions all over the world. So check out the global power platform bootcamp, because I think there's 43 cities around the world running events. Um, so there's probably, probably something close by. And then beyond that, at the end of February, on February 29th, I'll be speaking at Scottish summit in Glasgow. This will be airing at the 4th of February. So everyone who's really fast to listen to it can probably catch you. Excellent. And if there's anybody going to uh, Scotland, um, I am teaching a portals class on February 27th in Glasgow as well. Now, I think we're almost full, actually. But if you you reach out, we might be able to still squeeze uh, anybody else in that wants to be take part of that class. I'd glad, gladly have you. And uh, but if you're going, if anyone else is going to that event and definitely don't be shy, come up and say hi. I'd love to I'd love to hear your stories. Well done with the full packed room already. Who would you like to recommend us if? as a future guest on this podcast? Well, I think we talked about Forms Pro. So if you can get Megan Walker on uh, at some point, I think she, she'd she be great to talk about Forms Pro on some of her journey. Been there, and, done um, that already. Oh, oh, you have already? Okay. Um, okay, I would say another person to, to talk to is another a, a good friend of mine from actually in Ottawa here. That gentleman's name is Todd Mercer. And I think quite a few people probably know Todd from the community as well. Uh, very heavily active in the UG. Um, he also was a, um, from the customer side, was a Dynamic Communities uh, All-Star Award winner this past October. Todd has a lot of experience with his organization, and they moved from a, an on-premise Dynamics 365 to a Dynamics Online system. And which, you know, he, he, he has a lot of great stories and tips on that process. He also is doing some presentations on Microsoft Flow as well. And uh, Todd does a lot with the community. And I think he'd be a really interesting person for your podcast. Let's connect afterwards and get that one going. And thank for your participation in CRM Rocks, Nick Dolman. Thanks, Marcus. Glad to be here. And thanks to you listening. And don't forget that you can comment on Serum Rocks. Just go to serumrocks.com. And if you want to subscribe, just search for Serum Rocks in your favorite podcast player and you will find it right there. See you next time on Serum Rocks.